0: Our topic today is Amateur Radio Emergency Services. That is also known as A-R-E-S. We call it Ares. And we want to welcome our guest today. He's an extra class ham radio operator. Professionally, he is a field engineer. And now, let me explain what that means. That means he gets dirty rather than sit in an office with a clean shirt and tie. He's an inventor. And he's a tinkerer. He is the ARES emergency coordinator at St. Clair County in central Alabama. And he's a very good friend. Mark, tell us more about him.
1: We've worked together on a number of Schumer hits the fan situations. We've worked (laughs) together on about as many public service events, two of which turned into SHTF events. In both of those cases, ham radio played an integral part. He's definitely one who prepares, whether he claims the term prepper or not.
0: We'd like to welcome our special guest, Steve Ayers. His call sign is W four AMG seventy three. Steve, and welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, hello, Mark and Krista. It's it's good to hear both of you. Been a while since I've talked to you, mm-hmm. and it's it's good to be a part of your podcast.
0: Well, we're just thrilled that you're here. We're going to talk about a few things. We know that you've got new grandbabies that have been born this year. COVID year hadn't been all bad.
2: That is correct. Got two new grandbabies within three days of each other. Bless. One was born when she was supposed to be, and the other one was about a month and a half early.
0: She's not going to let her cousin upstage her, I guess, then. That's correct. (laughs) All right. Well, we just congratulate you and Pam on these uh, precious kids and grandkids of yours and we just know that it's it's such a blessing to have a growing family. We were talking just a few moments before the podcast opened up we were talking about doing a little bit of hunting I understand that you've been out hunting in the field a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you enjoy that
2: I really love being out in the woods I can go from daylight till dark I don't really care if I see any deer because I love just sitting out there in the woods being around God's creation.
1: Enjoying with the peace and quiet. I know exactly what you mean and we're probably going to be able to introduce Krista to deer hunting this year.
0: Yes, we've got some friends that have a farm and some acreage in a few counties away and uh, they're going to want to start uh, their first foray into hunting and I have never been out on a hunt. I've heard many many times about it. My father hunted, my brothers have hunted. Mark has done so. Kind of like you though, Steve. Yeah, I think he's just as happy to go out there instead of hunting he's just good at either sitting standing looking or watching
1: (laughs) a good day you hunt hard put your sights on him click the safety off and say bang i had you if i wanted you (laughs) you put your rifle back down because if you pull the trigger, it's downhill from there.
2: <laughs> right. that, that is correct. That is correct. And I told I told a guy just the other day, once the freezer is full and I have enough to carry me to, to next year, I really like to just go out and hunt just like I'm going to kill them, but just take pictures.
0: No, that's good. Different kind of shooting. <laughs> shooting, shooting pictures instead of shooting firearms. Okay.
1: Well, is Aries ready for winter weather? Harry's is ready for winter
2: weather. We're here in St. Clair County, we're always ready. We have a great group of guys that are probably the most professional radio people that I have ever been around in my life. We do love to cut up and carry on and laugh and joke. But I'm telling you, when it hits the fan, these guys are really ready to go. You know, they're always prepared, for the most part, for just about anything that comes up.
0: That is terrific. You know, at the top of the podcast, we mentioned that Ares, which is A-R-E-S, it stands for Amateur Radio Emergency Services, and I know that you are the emergency coordinator. So this is sort of a two-part question. If you could explain a little bit more about what Ares is, why it was formed, how it works, and then if you could delve into a little detail about what your position and duties are as the emergency coordinator.
2: Amateur Radio Emergency Services was formed by the FCC for emergency situations. A lot like what a lot of us are preparing for is when it hits the fan. And when a lot of people with a lot of technical radio equipment A lot of times you have technical issues and things don't work like they're supposed to. Amateur radio picks up when all of that fails because amateur radio, for the most part, most of the Aries people use the old analog radios and it's a part of the digital system. So when the digital system fails, they call on the folks from Aries which use mostly analog radios and we just pick up the communications after they lose communications.
0: Absolutely. I understand that. I know Mark has been a part of disaster relief, both in the Alabama area, and he did some disaster relief in the hurricane-ravaged New Orleans area when Katrina went through back in 2005. And just to underscore the point that you've made, and that's, we, we just really want to drive home the point that a lot of folks are very dependent on cell phones, tablets, laptop computers, some sort of phone device or a tablet device in order to communicate. And it just never dawns on some of these folks that those cell towers will get destroyed in a tornado or a hurricane or a flash flood. Or in some of our neighbors and friends out west, they can have earthquakes. There can be volcanoes. There's every kind of a natural disaster that can take out the cell service and ham radio like you said is not locked into that so ham radio can be the lifeline for communicating getting the word out trying to find people and get messages out uh, that sort of thing so with that being said you as an emergency coordinator when you have to spring into action on something what what does that mean what do you have to do
2: for the most part most of our events here weather events and and other disasters or or anything else that goes on. We have kind of a heads up of what's coming or what's going to happen. And we have a team of people. There's, There's four or five people that are always on the ready. where one of those four or five or two of those four or five can always go to the EOC to start everything rolling. We here in St. Clair County have a great relationship with our EMA director, our EMA team. We've probably got almost as big an office as the director with computers and and radios, and they have been great to provide radios, and antennas for our group and for the EOC. We do a lot of Two-meter, which is local radio. We do a lot of the local radio covering St. Clair County. We also do some high-frequency, some HF, with the state from our county to Chilton County.
1: And that's and, where the that's where the state EMA office is located.
0: Okay.
2: That's mm-hmm. correct. That is correct. That's the, the state guys that are in Clanton and also to the National Weather Service. They have a great relationship with the National Weather Service and they depend on a lot of the truth not from just just from us but other amateur radio operators that are out watching the storm and seeing what's going on and getting the ground truth of what's actually out there
0: okay so what you do then is you receive these reports that are coming in from these different stations that are these operators that are stationed hither and thither throughout the area and they can give you you mentioned ground truth and that's a weather type term which when you've got eyes, you know on the area that can tell you what the cloud situation is hail, rain, wind, damaging weather elements like that. They're radioing into you, and as an emergency coordinator, I guess you're receiving all of these different reports, and then you can formulate a plan of action and send out messages elsewhere. Maybe get word out to neighboring counties as that weather is wanting to travel.
2: That is correct. We listen to the radio and the ground truth from the counties before us, and when it's coming through- Through our county, the guys after us are listening to what we say and what's going on, and they're preparing for what's coming through our county, just like we prepared when it was going through the counties before us. Mm -hmm. And also, the National Weather Service depends a lot on what we see, and the guys. Are very knowledgeable of things that are going on and very knowledgeable because we've gone through numerous classes from the National Weather Service. And a lot of the local TV stations will put on these uh, weather spotting or storm spotting classes for the beginners and advanced. And a lot of classes that we go to will teach you what to look for. You can look at the trees and calculate the speed of the wind and look at the clouds and see what may be forming or what may be passing over your head. And it's, it's very good to to pass that information along not only to the weather service but to the other counties so they can prepare when it comes to their county.
0: Well I do know that there have been many weather broadcasters who have taken a moment of time on their television broadcast to indicate that this type of weather spotting has indeed saved lives and when you really get down to especially when they do that wall-to-wall coverage on television they're waiting for input from your groups other groups around and I know that lives have been saved and and Mark and I were talking not too long ago about a very specific event. I know that when I say the date, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. April 27th, 2011.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a day that, that I will never, ever forget. Tell
0: us about your experience.
2: Well, it started early that morning. Since I do the field engineering and programming machines, I was actually had to go to work that morning. So I was out in the field working uh, early that morning, and I get a phone call from Tom, our assistant E.C., in in St. Clair County and he says we've we've had a tornado come through the town that we live in, in Pell City and it took down the tower for the communications at the EMA which is also the local dispatchers for the county. So I I took off and went to the EMA and it all started then, you know, because we were all gathering around looking and listening to all of the forecasts and watching the radars and, and everything and we just started watching the storms coming out of Mississippi and that one storm in particular that we've We followed from from the time it crossed the Alabama line until it crossed the Georgia line. And it was just destruction the whole way. And it was just absolutely amazing the amount of destruction that it caused in our county, not only Tuscaloosa, but Birmingham, also in our county and and other counties past us. And we actually had guys that were on the hill watching it when it come by. Mm. And it actually came within about a quarter of a mile from, one of our major communications antenna farms and then the other one had come within about 100 yards so it it really almost took out all the communications in the county that day Mm. so after everything came through you know we were all right in behind it doing the search and rescues and checking with everybody and making sure everybody was okay and get people the things that they needed the generators the gas and it lasted it probably lasted about
0: two weeks. Wow. Hmm. Now, Mark, you remember that day as well. What were your, some of your experiences?
1: There were two killed in St. Clair County that morning. One of those was in Pell City, and one of those was in Moody, Alabama. I got the weather alert and got up, it was quiet at that point, so I brought up the weather net. Within 10 minutes, a tornado went over the house, and that's the one that struck in Moody, and then went on up to Pell City. And we got together, as he said. middle of the day was beautiful. It turned off to be a beautiful day, and people were trying to recover. And we said, it's not time to recover. We're going to have to hunker down because it's going to be worse this afternoon. And it did get worse that afternoon. And like Steve, today I'll never forget. We saw some things that week that you shouldn't have to see.
0: There was a pretty catastrophic loss of life statewide. Over 300. These were EF4 tornadoes, more than one, apparently from early morning to very late in the evening.
1: Well, there was a apparently. break in the day. Right, but it just It, kept it lasted going. about 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and then by 10 or 11, it turned off to be a beautiful day.
2: We were all enjoying the
1: sunshine Kind of hoping oh, it was over.
0: <laughs>
2: well,
1: we knew, <laughs> no, we, we knew it wasn't over oh, but, yeah.
2: because we had been watching and, and listening to the whole of the forecast, and everybody knows around here. Everybody knows James Spann puts a lot of weight into what he says, and he told us, you know, it's, it's definitely not over. So don't don't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we weren't comfortable from that morning about five thirty to it was like I said, it was probably two weeks. And, and like Mark said, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you really don't want to see. And that's that's part of it. That's that's part of what we do for the citizens of our county. You know, I got a lot of family members here. I got a lot of friends been here for the majority of my life. There's a lot of people here that I want, want to make sure that are taken care of. And that day, there were a lot of people that were saved because of the ham radio. And there was a lot of people that didn't listen. You know, they were after the... A big tornado came through that evening. We were going through the valley and listening and talking to people and checking on people. And the majority of the people said, "I thought it was all over." I looked down the valley and I, I saw it coming, and it was—it was too late.
0: Uh-huh. Precisely the reason why organizations like ARES exist, why ham radio operators band together and put the word out and get the message out and communicate because you've got to have that ground truth and that intelligence and those messages to come through. And I completely beholden and ever so grateful that this type of organization exists because it does make a humongous difference.
1: Talk about the served agencies. when When we talk about serving other agencies, What are we doing? And this came into play, and it started with that 2 o'clock meeting on April 27th, and we decided who's going to what shelter. Talk about the importance of putting a communicator in a Red Cross shelter, a safety shelter. If they're opened, we do all that we can to man those shelters. Talk just a bit about that.
2: Well, the served agencies, we'll, we'll start with that. The served agencies are numerous. We've got the Red Cross The Alabama Department of Public Health, all of the law enforcement all around, the hospitals, there's just numerous agencies that we serve we will have like you were saying in the uh, the shelters we'll have someone at the shelter that notifies how many people are in the shelter that notifies how many spots they have available for people to be in the shelter we have someone at the hospital for health and welfare and that's mainly the thing that we're there for as far as the shelters go and the hospital and everything because there's a lot of people Whenever you have an event like this, you know, everybody gets on the cell phone. Well, it jams up the system, and the cell phones don't work, and everybody gets on the computers. You know, a lot of towers go down, the wires go down, internet don't work, cell phones don't work. Well, everybody gets going crazy asking, you know, well, where's Aunt Susie and Uncle Bob and Cousin this or, you know, Cousin that, and everybody's wanting to know where everybody's at. And that's where... Another thing that we come in, we'll say, well, you know, Aunt Susie's over here and Uncle Bob's in this shelter over here and they're fine. Don't worry about them. The cousins are over here with, with Uncle Bob and, and they're fine. So that's one of the things that we do in hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that is just health and welfare letting people know that their kin
1: folks are okay and i remember on april 27th and for several days after that we put a ham radio operator with the key people the ema director fema how does that work and what does that look like well again when the cell phones fail and
2: the telephone system goes down you know the ham radio people are there the ham radio works you can get in touch with those key people almost any time you want to, you know, and, and there's, there are certain times, you know, that they'll be busy or whatever. And, and that's another key function that we play in those events because, you know, we might just take notes and say, hey, you know, this person needs this, this person needs this, and we're kind of there to help them with a lot of the logistics during this event because they're flooded with things and you know so mm-hmm. it's, it's helpful to have a team of people there that can bounce things off of to ask you know hey what do you think we need to do about this or this or how can we get a refrigerated trailer to store all of this ice for all of these people in and that
1: you know, took that took tom 20 minutes
2: that's another thing about the group that we have we don't have to know what to do or how to do it as much as who to call. Right. Because when people ask, you know, how do you get medicine to people during a snow event or an ice event? How do you get ice stored in the middle of the 80 degree weather? There's just numerous things that all we have to do is pick up the mic and say, hey, so-and-so, do you know where we can get this? And like you said, within 15, the most 20 minutes.
1: Well, it took Took 20 minutes on that one because he had to borrow a tractor trailer.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It and helps to one. know things.
2: And the reason it took that long is because he was actually on the road coming from somewhere else. <laughs> right. We had to, we had to wait right. for him to get there. And to yep. say,
0: yeah, these ham operators, they, they jump into service, and they are serious business, and they get the job done. All those years of experience uh, with mini-storm events and, and just ham radio events, they've got a nice, good network of folks that they can just rely on, pick up that phone, make the call, they can make one call and then that person can make ten more calls for them and it just it's just a very well orchestrated
1: effort. Well not all Aries groups are the same. During WeatherNet, some Aries group they'll bring up a weather net, but all they do is a rip and read of the most recent National Weather Service text, which might be thirty minutes or more old at that particular time. And that's not how St. Clair County Aries works. One of the things that Steve talked about, that team that goes in of a couple of people, one of those is radar operator. He is sitting there where the National Weather Service is concerned about 32 counties. St. Clair County Aries is looking at one county. And with the radar operators and you have some mighty fine ones and they can pinpoint where that tornado is and is likely to be in the next 10 or 15 minutes. And there are even citizens that listen to ham radio that are not ham radio operators, but they use it to get the most up-to-date weather information because you've got those people that know what they're doing. You've got those people that are spotting and then information is being fed back. In addition to the radar operator, you have the radio operator that's sitting there that is taking the information and putting that most current weather information out.
2: That is correct. Having said that, is another one of the key important people that we have, and, and we do miss you since you're gone, Mark. <laughs> information officer, because there is a lot of people that ask a lot of questions, you know, and when you're tied up, watching the radar and taking care of the radio and taking care of all the emails and calling all the people that you have to call on the phone. It's great to have a good public information person that can get the information out to the people that's asking all of these questions. It is one of the things that we do miss not having you around, Mark. (laughs) Um, Other things, it is good that you're uh, taking care of folks up in North Alabama.
1: Doing Mm -hmm. our best. Now, St. Clair is a very unique model for ARIES, and it has been noticed by the ARRL, the parent organization of ARIES.
2: That is correct. I guess one of the big things that they noticed about us is we we really don't do things quite like a lot of other people do because we're more into the facts. We're more into the, the real things that are going on. A lot of the things that the ARRL and a lot of the, the higher up management people will try to do is the, the tabletop discussions. And what we have found, what I've found over the years, is a lot of the tabletop discussions is they're all great, they're all fine, they're all wonderful. You can get a kind of an idea of what you're going to do, but don't depend on that. Right. Because once the stuff hits the fan, everything is going to change. So you've got to be
1: prepared for the things
2: that are going to change. You say, well, what if this happens or what if this happens or what if this happens? And you end up with a lot of other stuff going on that you didn't really prepare for. Uh huh. So we have, as an Aries group here, we have been fortunate to have a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. And our group, one of the things that's different about our group is there are no real key people. I mean, everybody is a key person. There's no officers, there's no political things going on. Serve people like to help people and we hang out together Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. the that's the key thing that's different with our group and it's worked for years you know they were here a long time before I came along and they'll probably be here a long time after I'm gone And it's worked for a lot of years.
0: We really do enjoy that input. That gives us a lot to think about. And we'll have some other folks that are going to be listening that may want to implement this same model in their counties. And so we'd like to cover how that works, um, starting at the beginning of, say, a weather event, the deployment to the EOC. And EOC stands for, explain. Uh,
2: It's Emergency Operations Center.
0: Okay, Emergency Operations Center.
2: (laughs) At the it's at the EMA, which is the Emergency Management Agency. Mm -hmm. Like I said, in, in our county, we have a great relationship with our EMA director and all of the EMA people. And that is the biggest key to the whole thing. Because once you have a great relationship with them, they furnish the floor space. They furnish
1: coffee (laughs) the coffee yeah they
2: furnish the coffee
1: Mm -hmm. which is very important they
2: they furnish a lot of the antennas the internet service that we use they've purchased software that we use for the radar and once you have that relationship those four or five people that i was talking about have have keys to the door we're usually 99 percent of the time we're there before the ema personnel get there if it is after hours You know, if if it's during hours, you know, they're already there, Mm -hmm. but we're there. We get everything up and running. We turn all the TVs on. We've got multiple TVs, multiple channels, get their radar up and running and recording the information from the counties before us. And it's really just a a huge team effort between us and the EMA. The relationship is, is really a key part of the way it works.
0: Okay. So maybe for other folks that have an EMA in their county, but they may not have, like the ham radio, maybe they need to band together and form a meeting and maybe become a part of an EMA plan, an emergency management plan, and can start something very similar to what you're doing there in St. Clair. You can
2: go to the adalb website and download a lot of the ARIES templates booklets, procedures. You've got operating procedures that are written there. You've got preparedness pages that you can go to. A lot of great information from the ARRL. ARRL
1: ARRL.org.
0: I've actually worked one weather event and we all met down there in that EMA and I sort of stand back and watch the action unfold. It looked like there was going to be tornado activity. Turned out that it got very close to that, but did not fully materialize, but it was it was looking a little touch and go there. And people were working those boards and working that ham radio. It was exciting. It really was. Question for you, Steve. We're going to kind of move in a different direction here. What would you recommend to preppers who have been thinking about getting a ham radio or getting into ham radio?
2: That's just a loaded question. <laughs> it's a,
0: yeah. Yes. No. That's so it. much.
2: There's just so much out there. I guess the, the biggest thing, when, when I first got into it, the first thing that I wanted to do was build an antenna. Building an antenna for, for a two-meter radio is just so simple. You can go to the AWR website and, and look up a lot of the antenna stuff there. It's, it's not very complicated. It's not very costly. You can do it on a shoestring budget. The big thing is the antenna antennas like the transmission of the vehicle it is the way to get the power from the radio to whoever you're trying to talk to then you have to have the radio that a lot of people think you know well i'll go and, and get this uh 40 handheld radio and i'll be able to talk to the world in some cases that may be right in most cases that is not right Because you've got to have the power in the wire to get the distance. The thing that I would recommend to anyone getting into it is to get at least a 50 watt radio. That is the way that you can talk the clearest, the furthest, and get the message out that you want to get out, and you don't have to worry about, well, did they hear me? Mm -hmm. Um, Those those are the things. The radio and the antenna are the two big things. Like I said, the antennas are. You can build those cheap. You can go all the way from a $5 wire antenna to several hundred dollar array if you want to go that route. A lot of different things that you can do and a lot of different ways that you can do it. You know, it's just according to which way you want to go. Mm -hmm. That would be my recommendation, at least a 50-watt radio and, and a good antenna.
0: Okay, that's some good advice. You're what's called a VE. VE stands for Volunteer Examiner. We had discussed on an earlier podcast that, that ham radio, amateur radio, is a licensed privilege and that someone has that wants to talk on the radio must study and pass a ham radio test and get involved with getting a license. If you could just speak a little bit about the ham radio testing and the licensing part of it.
2: That's another thing, another key thing that we play a part in, in a lot of the the ways that we give back to those came before us. It's not very hard at all. Once you study and take the test, you can buy books. If you're old school, like I am, you know, you can get a cassette tape and and learn it off a cassette tape. If you can find a cassette player, Mm -hmm. you can do DVDs, you can do CDs, or you can just study online you go to hamradiotest.com i believe it is is that not right mark can you can I get latest and greatest question pool from the fcc
1: yes and that question pool for all three classes technician general and extra the entire question pool is available on the ARRL website and it can be downloaded in word file we've actually got a pretty good article on our website on practical prepping dot info that is entitled getting your ham radio license and it does mention ham test online it mentions the various books and qrz.com where you can take practice tests and even how to find a test in your area
2: yeah and the test in your area is a good part for me to jump in there because we do testing here in st clair county every month the third saturday of every month at 11 30 Due to the COVID, we've had to move around several times. But I think we finally found a home for the testing session. We've worked out with the Riverside City Council, so we get the shelter on the third Saturday of every month at 1130 to do testing. One of the things that we do tell people when we are given the test, that it is not an open book test, (laughs) to get your license.
1: Gotcha. If you've studied, you should do pretty well on this test.
2: Absolutely. I was kind of blessed with a, a lot of the electronics and electrical knowledge. The tests really came fairly easy to me. There were a lot of questions about uh, a lot of the parts and pieces, you know, the, especially the regulations and the codes and all that you have to look into and the frequencies that you can talk on and the frequencies that you can't talk on as a part of the amateur radio band. There's a lot to it. Uh, it's not really that hard to learn there's a lot of people out there that are a lot smarter than me that have done it and you know if i can do it dumb old country boy from Pell city alabama you know (laughs) anybody can
1: yeah i will agree with that and uh (laughs) Krista started studying when she decided that she was actually going to get her ham radio license. She started studying on Wednesday, and we were going to test in St. Clair, but we had a conflict with that. And she didn't want to wait a month, so I drove her to Montgomery, Alabama, to take the test on Monday night. And so she had studied from Wednesday until Monday, and she was mad because she missed one.
2: <laughs> You know, I know she's she's a very intelligent individual, but did you just call me? No. (laughs) No,
1: No. (laughs) because I studied a lot longer than four days, and I missed a lot more than one.
0: Well, I'll tell you something else about that. The night that I went to Montgomery, uh, a young girl, no older than nine years old, was also taking the test and I was impressed because it dawned on me Mark had mentioned to me you know there, there's not really an age minimum or whatever he said there's been several very young people and several very much older people well here's this little fourth grader walks in and I'm thinking maybe her dad's going to take the test and she's just along for the ride oh no she took the test along with me
1: and he was along for the drive and
0: he was along for the ride and she passed her test and and She was as proud as a peacock. And I was just delighted to see someone her age at her level of interest that her dad was already an extra. And so he was bringing daughter up, you know, in the ham radio world. And, and uh, I was delighted and thrilled to see that, you know, kids uh, and a young girl, a nine-year-old girl. I said, "You way to go, young lady. That just, she'll just lead the way, you know, maybe for other girls to be interested in this. I mean, it's a, certainly it's a hobby that's not just, I mean, yeah, it's uh, mostly Men, young men, older men started with it, but there's plenty of ladies and girls out there that have interest in it, such as myself. And, well, right now you
1: know. there is a Santa Net going on every night, starts at seven thirty Central. I think it's thirty nine sixty five, but I'm not sure. But kids can talk with Santa on Ham Radio.
2: <laughs> and that that is that is great. You know, I mean, it's it's great to hear and see the kids actually take interest in the ham radio and it's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that's my age your age and older that would love to see and help those young people of all ages you know get into ham radio and and get involved and and learn from those that know
1: anytime Uh, and in any way
0: We wanted to emphasize that ham radio and the usage of ham radio isn't just for emergencies, even though that's part of really our podcast tonight was talking about how it's used for emergencies and why it's so valuable. But we also wanted to stress that the majority of the time that ham radio operators are speaking, they're they're speaking for enjoyment. They're speaking for their education. They're learning about cultures all over the world. They're participating in special events. Mark was delighted. To speak to the USS, was it Midway? Yes. Uh, He spoke to one of the battleship. I actually ran a net on the fiftieth anniversary last July of twenty nineteen of the lunar landing, and we actually we went over here to Huntsville to the Space and Rocket Center, and I participated in a special event net commemorating the fiftieth anniversary of the moonwalk and her landing.
1: Her dad had something to do with getting them there and back. He worked for NASA and for a number of contractors. And he was a ham radio. And he was he a was ham radio a, he operator. Was a
0: mm-hmm, he was.
2: One of the things that we, we hadn't talked about, and I don't know if you've talked about it in your in your prior podcast or not, but we keep referring to the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, have you explained exactly how the net works and the, the, the mechanics of that?
1: Not in detail, no. Tell us about that.
2: Well, that is It's kind of like the, you've got a boss, and, and everything, every piece of information has to go through that person that's, that's actually in charge of the, the airwaves at that time, to say that, I guess that's to put it in the simplest form. But this person will actually activate this network of information, this network of, of radio communication and everyone, if if you have anything to add or anything to say or a message to to send to someone, you have to call what is called the net control, and that person has to recognize you and give you the. I wouldn't say. I guess. I guess it could be the permission to to talk, and that way everything is done in order. It keeps down the chaos. So that's the way a network. Is ran by having a person that is in charge of the airways, and everything goes, he coordinates the way that the information is passed.
1: And that information, we talk about information being passed, there is a national traffic system message where you can write that message out and there's a system of checks. And it's not like the old game of telephone at school where you told one person, they told somebody, they told somebody, it went all the way around. And when it got back, it was something totally different. With the NTS messaging, that message might go through 10, 15 people, but it will be exactly the same when it gets to where it was going.
2: That is correct. That's what we call written traffic. Right. And the way that is passed is the first person that receives the message will write that message down. In computer language, you have a checksum, which is in the radio language is called the check, which will be the number of words that is used in that message. So that message is passed from operator to operator and can go as far as the East Coast to the West Coast just to ask, you know, hey, how are you doing? And that information is passed back through the radio system. And that, like you said, that message is is passed to radio operator to radio operator exactly as it was originally written.
1: It's very important in health and welfare messages.
2: That is correct. And and, uh, one of the key things about this is you, it does not have to be a licensed operator to originate
1: the message. It just has to be a licensed operator
2: to pass the message through the system to another individual on the other end. That does not have to be a HAM radio operator.
1: And when you say system, we're talking about a system of person to person to person radio communications. It's, it's not like a computer system.
2: That is correct. That is correct. Every evening, there is what is called Traffic Net mike and that traffic net was designed years ago to pass information written traffic from operator to operator wherever in the united states and that is conducted on the hf frequencies 3965 many people all over the united states listen to that every night and a lot of information is passed a lot of work goes into that to to make sure that everything stays the same and the messages don't get lost in
1: the system. Steve, there's so many things we could talk about tonight. We're going to have to have you back sometime, and we'll narrow a few of these things down and talk about some of the various aspects of Helm Radio. But we certainly appreciate you being with us tonight, and we certainly want to say thank you. and tell your family we said Merry Christmas and if we don't talk to you before then we certainly wish that all of you have a safe, happy, and Merry Christmas.
2: Absolutely, Sarah? absolutely. Thank you for having me and, and thank you for involving me in this and hopefully one day here soon maybe our cro- our paths will cross again and we can
1: sit and have a cup of coffee. We appreciate- need to do that.
0: That would be great, Steve. One last thing. Um, if you could provide just a little bit of information what is the St. Clair Aries website and can people contact Contact you there if they would like more information on how they can implement the Saint Clair model into their group.
2: Like I was saying before, our group is not very formal. We do have a formal Facebook page, and it is Saint Clair County Aries don't have to be a ham radio operator to ask questions. Uh, if anyone wants to ask me personally any questions, you can contact me by email. would probably be the best way at w4amg at arrl.net. A-R-R-L dot net.
0: Okay, fantastic. That is great. Steve, we appreciate it so much. You have been so informative and really the best one that we could have pull out all the information about Aries and how it works and how the St. Clair County group is just tops, just doing the job, doing a good job.
2: We do have some great people, and, and y'all, are, y'all are part of it, uh, even though y'all have moved away. You're still part of the group, and uh, we do enjoy sharing information. Ham Radio, there's lots of facets to Ham Radio. You know, we've only covered just a point 20- of the needle it was great hearing you and great talking to you and mark and hopefully we can talk some more later and drink some coffee and maybe eat a donut or something
0: (laughs) you're on you that's that's for sure absolutely thank you for listening to the podcast today and please leave us a five-star review that helps more people be able to hear this podcast share it with your friends and family you can reach us on facebook at practical prepping Email at info at practicalprepping.info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.